these people are now going to be approved. Mm. You're going to be APRA approved. Yeah. Um, it's going to be way more confusing. Um, and to be honest, uh, it, it may even work out to a layperson that they seem more qualified. Hey Refam, my name's Kate and welcome back to Keeping It Real, the podcast giving you insight to the murky world of surgery regulation. Today, APRA, the National Health Regulator, has released some recommendations to deal with the cosmetic cowboys. This has come off the back of a pretty contentious meeting with health experts and surgeons and it's safe to say the medical community is incredibly disappointed and gobsmacked with what the regulators have put forward. I'm joined by Richard and Kim to unpack exactly what these recommendations are and what the real answer is. This week there's been a pretty robust meeting about cosmetic surgery, our favourite beast. Both parties seem to kind of be passing the buck to each other. Uh, So it just seems like a good idea to get you both in so we can shed some light on what's actually happening. APRA, who is the health regulator for everyone playing at home, they've come out with 16 recommendations to deal with cosmetic surgeons. Important to say, like, none of this has gone through, hasn't even gone to any kind of vote, any kind of legislation, which obviously is an arduous process, but... And I think it's leaked documents so far. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. One one person from the meeting. Leaking it to the media. So um, there, there was four especially pretty big, if not damning ones that kind of came to light. So if you could walk us through those. One of the recommendations is the creation of a cosmetic surgery enforcement unit within APRA. So this is just really not clear what that is. This sounds like window dressing because uh, there's all that's what APRA does. APRA oversees all sorts of um, medical practices. So having a special unit dedicated to cosmetic surgery is not really anything new. They should have been had their eye on the ball and be supervising this over the last two decades. This is not a new issue. And the fact that all of these surgeries have been being done by people not recognised as surgeons and uh, not no action being taken by APRA is the problem not setting up a new unit. So the devil is obviously going to be in the detail of exactly what that means and who's going to be on it and what their scope scope of uh, action is going to be uh, within APRA. But from looking at it superficially, this 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 is basically APRA saying, oh, from now on we're going to do our job. Like <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it sounds like exactly that if they haven't been – under their um, own umbrella doing what they should have been doing anyway. So to me it's like one of those let's have a meeting about having a meeting about having a meeting yeah, and right. let's call it something else and pre- make out that we're making change. But And if they are actually going to create such a unit, how long is that process going to be? They, they should already have set up ways of dealing with um, doctors and all other professionals that are of concern. What about they also released a confidential cosmetic surgery hotline? What do we think of that? Um, again, APRA's role is uh, 
oversight and supervision of they actually look after not just medical professionals but uh, physios and osteopaths and all all professionals but particularly under the medical and non-professionals and non-professionals <laughs> a chiropractor is included in that yeah i think they are yeah i think nursing i think there's there might actually be 16 but we only really deal with the medical side and because it used to be called the australian medical board and it's now under apra um but it's still the essentially the same um and it, but, but it is quite possible that that is where the problem started. Mm. That it became so dilute. Yeah, uh, they got too many too many hats to wear, and they're not yeah. actually focusing on. But there is a still a medical board that sits within that, and I, I don't know the exact structure of it. Um, but we have there's mandatory reporting um, in this country for um, concerns about medical pra- practitioners, and that is uh, anyone can actually do that. So. There actually already exists a system to report um, any kind of practitioners or professionals or non-professionals. And there's four criteria that you can report them under, um, one of which is impairment, um, intoxication, and under, like, you know, doing, doing not what they say they're doing, which I think that pretty much covers a lot of this. So, again, it's it's making another... Uh, having a meeting or having another group that's pretending to be doing something that they should already be doing. When sorry, just jump in. When you say mandatory, so do you mean that like like if you were in an operating theatre and you saw another doctor, you are like duty bound yep. to absolutely, them? absolutely. Perfect segue. the The problem is these non surgeons, we'll call them GPs, who are doing this surgery. They're not operating in the same facilities that we're in mm. so we can't report them by and large because we're not seeing what they're doing and their colleagues sure as shit aren't going to report them in because yeah, I mean, there's a huge power imbalance there yeah but you know like if someone's working for someone else they're not going to report them in exactly. and if they report them in it kind of exposes them as well as not being trained i think what this refers to more is there's going to be a hotline for patients to report surgeons, but as Kim said, that has already always been part of. Well, there's the Health Commission's Complaints, Health Complaints Commission, Commission, and they refer on to APRA if they have significant concerns. Yeah, and anyone can. So that ability for patients that. to make a complaint has always been there. Um, the, the, one of the issues, really, is that, or one of the concerns is that you know surgery is surgery, so. Patients have complications. And I think it's getting muddied what is actually a serious complication. So someone having pain postoperatively is not abnormal. Someone, you know, we've seen photos of blood in a, in a, in a, in a recovery bed. That's not a complication. Um, you know, we've had surgeries, so there's big incisions. There's always going to be some, you know, blood that goes onto, you know, sheets and which then dressings. looks way worse, dressings. Mm. Um, so the concern is that th- this is going to make patients go down this pathway rather than go back to their surgeon, which is where they really should be having these things dealt with. Yeah, so right. it's going to build up this whole level of anxiety and mistrust between doctors and patients um, when the sol- solution is as plain as the nose on your face. Um, and I think I may be wrong, but the original two nurses that – um, went to the media a year or more ago. 
I, I understand that they had complained already to APRA mm. and it got nowhere. So yeah. that's why um, the TV shows then took on investigations themselves and um, into some of these practitioners. And then it's kind of like, oh, it hits national headlines because it's on the TV and it looks gory. It's like, oh, okay, well, maybe the regulatory body then thinks, oh, maybe we should do something about it. Mm. But that was over a year ago where that first TV show came out and still absolutely nothing in our industry has changed in terms of regulation of who can perform these procedures. And one or two doctors have had um, thrown in their licence or had restrictions placed on them. But the handfuls and handfuls of others have not had any investigation um, to our knowledge by the authorities. Yeah, and even like some of those doctors, it's like, oh, you still get to operate as a GP. Like, not operate, probably a bad word given the context, but Mm. work as a GP. Yeah. So it's like, Mm. I mean, that's where it should have been anyway. So it doesn't seem like the biggest slap on the wrist to just go back to where you should be. All right, the other one that has come through is an endorsement pathway for cosmetic surgery training. So what exactly does that mean? So this basically undermines the entire training process in Australia. So you've got to understand Australia, and I say this with all confidence, being a past chairman of the Board of Training of Australia. And so part of that role was to to look at, say, someone who's coming from the UK who's a plastic surgeon there and see whether their training experience was equivalent to ours. And there are not many. There were basically no training programs anywhere in the world that we considered were equivalent to our level of training. Um, And so we, without doubt, have, if not the, certainly one of the highest um, programs of training in the world. And plastic surgery, within its scope, within the training, within the examination, includes cosmetic surgery. This already exists. So what they're now talking about is providing... Um, an alternative to that training program. Now, there's no, uh, as yet, there's no details of who's going to run that, where it's going to take place, um, how how long it's going to be, what the curriculum's going to be, what the exams are going to be, but there is no way that is going to be equivalent to plastic surgery training. And I think you, you put it really well the other day when it's like if the alternative – like if there's an easier alternative, why would anybody subject themselves yeah. to like seven years of being absolutely flogged when it's yeah. like, oh, but this way is legit. Like that's it's recognized by people. Why would I not take this option? So, so the so a hundred percent. So plastic surgery training is is grueling. So when I got into training, like some of my mentors said to me, they will get their pound of flesh out of you, and it's true. So you are dealing night and day with all of these issues. And people on the other side of the fence, the cosmetic doctors who are not actually surgeons, they say, well, you know, plastic surgery doesn't – you don't teach cosmetic surgery. Everything you do in plastic surgery training is cosmetic training. So we're dealing with tissues, we're dealing with anatomy, we're dealing with um, function, we're dealing with form. So – these are things that as a plastic surgery trainee for five years plus, uh, um, you know, often a, a fellowship are things that we're dealing with all day, every day. So to come up with some cere- back of the cereal 
packet training program uh, that is deemed equivalent to what we've gone through in our level of training is just terrible. Um, just just going back to you about our training and every single operation that we do, no matter what it is, is we have an aesthetic goal at the end of it. So I was seeing a patient today for a breast reduction consult and she was just um, talking about, oh, well, I haven't been at the gym because I've had recent surgery. And she just shows me her wrist and she's had a ganglion removed, which is an operation that as plastic surgeons um, we're trained to do and we do all the time. And I looked, took one look at the scar and I was just like, oh, uh, okay, um, how long ago did you have that? And um, and it was done by not a plastic surgeon. I'm sure that the underlying problem was adequately treated, but zero care for the scar that she's going to be left with in her wrist, no recommendation of what it looks like afterwards. She's got stitch marks from where they've used big nylon and – you know, like nothing we do would leave a patient with something like that. Like, you know, even though it's not putting a breast implant in, it's doing removing a ganglion from a wrist, but you are stitching it up, giving the patient recommendations in terms of we want this scar to be the best possible outcome. So every single thing we do, whether it's a tiny little skin cancer, burn surgery, you're looking at the ultimate aesthetic outcome. So to say that we're not cosmetic surgery trained is, is absolutely ridiculous just on that as an outsider it just it does appear to be the antithesis of the issue right like the issue is that people don't know the difference it's confusing like cosmetic surgeons and plastic surgeries have been conflated into this one thing by creating a training program by the the regulators does that not add just another layer of confusion because now these two so things uh, seem to be even more confusing? You don't know which yeah. numbers to be looking for. And even if they're for. not creating another training program, like an endorsement pathway. So it's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to set up a weekend course where I'm going to train you to do breast implants um, mm. and then That's they can en- endorse you to do that. Yeah. Tick, you're done. I, I think you've absolutely s- summarised it perfectly there. Uh, this this is one of the, the huge concerns. These people are now going to be, this was alluding to before, these people are now going to be approved. Mm. They're going to be APRA approved. Yeah, um, It's going to be way more confusing. Um, and to be honest, uh, it, it may even work out to a layperson that they seem more qualified. Yeah, right. And who knows what what that standard is going to be because the gold standard is plastic surgery and it it's it can never be that because the people who would plastic surgeons will not do the training that that I'm pretty <laughs> sure of um, so it's, they're going to be trained by the people who are not trained oh I get you yeah they're that not makes sense be the ones doing the training they're yeah, not going to yeah, be yeah. the teachers yeah 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 right 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 so you're going to be the blind leading the blind mm. um, it, it it's it's just beyond belief that a review process with APRA has come up with these recommendations. And, um, you know. They're, they're, yeah. It's they're just. They're lacking it, any spine to be making. They're trying to not even keep everyone happy. They're just I, trying I'm to going a step further. Go away. I'm saying, going a step further. I'm saying there is, I don't know what it is. There is corruption at some level. Um, and I think APRA has been, is, is run by GPs, these people are GPs. Uh, they're, they're, 
there is something terribly, terribly wrong at APRA. Uh, and the fact that they can come out with these recommendations is actually, it beggars belief. And I think that leads a little bit onto the, the next comment is that we're talking about the the training and who the trainers may be. And so that's this um, grandfathering clause. And, and I've actually had friends who are non-medical text me and be like, is that actually what they're recommending? Like, it's insanity. Because that's basically the... The problem doctors at the moment saying, okay, actually what you're doing is fine. And if this clause was one year ago, then the most prominent person who has been in practice, oh, I'm the most experienced in Australia and um, I've been in practice for 30 years and I have um, invented some of these pre- procedures, that person would have been grandfathered in under this and be like, wow, you're, you're totally qualified to do this. And you're the person that's then going to be teaching the next generation and, you know, clearly has been. Um, the whole point, we think, of any review or change or is is actually to to stop th- those that process and those people to be continuing to practice unregulated. Crazy. Um, so we've, as we've not even alluded to, I think, flat out said throughout this, uh, you know, it's something that's been going on for 30 years um, at least. So the fact that these suggestions have come out just a week ago and seem to be in line with some pretty damning journalism exposés, what do we think that says about the regulator's actual, like, desire to have any real change? Asleep at the wheel. Yeah, zero, zero interest in fixing any problems um and you know our our societies have 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 been trying um you know with some not very luster and lackluster but to be approaching this um over tightling and and i think a lot of it does come down to that if if you actually if you actually take away the title that anyone can call themselves a surgeon when they're not surgically trained that's actually going to fix a whole lot of problems. And cosmetic surgeon is is not an, a, a recognised title in, by the Australian Medical Council. It's not a recognised training. Um, we don't advertise ourselves as cosmetic surgeons um, because we're, we're plastic surgeons, so we don't, we don't feel the need to use that title. Um, we're plastic surgeons. We perform cosmetic surgery. Um, but if you stop... Doctors or practitioners from calling themselves surgeons when they're not surgeons, it's going to fix a whole lot of problems. It just seems insane. It, it seems so insane that that's not the like that recommendation list should be one point, one. and it should be that use use the title of your training. Yeah, full stop. Doctor, if you have no extra training, you're a doctor. Full yeah. stop. If you're done GP specialist training, you're a specialist GP. Yeah, full stop. Like that's that's your training so let's just make this really simple if you don't have a pilot's license you cannot fly a plane full stop a driver's license does not allow you to fly a plane Mm. and they like to conflate all this with social media let's point out that facebook's been around not nearly as long as this whole uh, backyard surgery stuff has been going on so social media is not to blame if if 
um, if APRA policed the industry that only surgeons could operate, the problem would go away, okay? Um, it doesn't matter if you don't have a, have a, have a pilot's licence but you've got an Instagram profile and you say you're a pilot <laughs> and you've done a flight simulator course, you still can't fly a plane, okay? It's actually that simple and then these recommendations are doing the exact opposite. It's, it's actually a disgrace. Yeah, so just to build on kind of what you're saying there, they do talk a lot in this meeting. It seems to be a lot of blame on surgeons not reporting and like how are they, how's ARPA supposed to know anything's going on until it's on 60 minutes? Like doctors haven't done enough and then also blaming social media. And as we've already referred to, this has been going on long before social media came about. So what do you think about the suggestions that social media needs to be clamped down on? I think that's ridiculous because if you are an upstanding practitioner doing what you're trained to do, whether or not you have a social media account and whether patients are coming to you because they've seen something on social media, I'm still a doctor as a bottom line and I'm still assessing every single patient that comes in the door as to their appropriateness of surgery. And if you're... And it, it, it's much more the untrained um, doctors, the you know so-called cosmetic cowboys that have the, uh, some more of a social media presence. But that's not what's driving it. It's when they're then seeing those patients in the rooms and saying, yes, I can operate on every single person that walks in the door. That That's where there's so much more unscrupulous um, I saw a patient yesterday who came in and she probably had 20 mils of extra fat on her lower abdomen. Like she was so skinny and 100% I'm sure she's going to shop around and find a doctor or a proceduralist or someone that's going to perform liposuction on her. And I spent so long with her saying, you know, like I can show her some terrible photos of celebrities online and, and I'm like, you have a normal body, you do not need liposuction. And the the power of being well-trained, having seen results, knowing what you're doing, is to to say no and however she came to me is that's our duty of care is to first do no harm as doctors. And, and I think, you know, the, the social media that we have, every patient that comes in that's followed us, listened to the podcast, watched the lives, are like, oh my goodness, I've learnt so much. I'm just not sure which operation that you've talked about is suitable for me. These are my concerns. And, you know, that's our role as specialists to be able to inform them, educate them, say no if it's not appropriate, explain to them what operations are appropriate. I, w I would also add, though, that with the social media, the issue with restricting it is that the people who aren't crazy well no but the people the, the people yeah. aren't bound by these guidelines because they're not plastic surgeons so to be like oh you can't use this it was like that. like when i was a journalist we had all these defamation laws so you couldn't write stuff and then bloggers mm. would write whatever and then everyone would be like oh the mainstream media like they're lying to us like this person saying how it really is but it's because they're not going to get sued for defamation so it's like those kind of things where it's like yeah, okay, if you restrict it with the people who actually are good at their jobs. So one of the issues with trying to police this through social media is that if you're willing to operate on someone when you're not qualified and you're not a surgeon, 
you're not going to be really held back by, you know, telling mistruths on social media. That kind of seems like a really minor mm-hmm. infraction mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to actually cutting into someone yeah. when you're not qualified. So social media is not can't be uh, the, the stick to stop people misrepresenting themselves. This is a role for the government. It's a role for APRA. Uh, it's a f- role for the Australian Medical Council to set guidelines as to what the training needs to be, what qualifications people can have and what people's scope of practice uh, uh, can be based on their training. If you liked this episode of Keeping It Real, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, why don't you have a flick through our past episodes? We'd love to hear your requests for future topics. So send your suggestions through to us on IG at Replastic Surgery. That's all for today. And we'll catch you next time for another peek into the world of plastic surgery. Plastic surgery.